Jonah chapter 1, beginning in verse number 1. I'm going to go ahead and read all of chapter 1. Um, I don't know about you. Jonah is one of my favorite stories in Scripture. It's one of those stories that, as a kid, I remember uh, hearing often about, you know, Jonah getting swallowed up by... I think in kids' church we say whale. I don't want to bust any bubbles. I'm not sure if it was a whale. It just says great big fish. Um, so hopefully that doesn't impact anybody's theology today. But one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture uh, is found here in Jonah. Love this book. Love what God wants to say to us. And so I want to just encourage you over the next few weeks as we work through uh, the book of Jonah to really ask the Holy Spirit to Really prepare your hearts to hear what God wants to speak to us about. This series is just simply called All Need to Hear. And I think you will be challenged by today's word and over the next few weeks what God wants to do in us. Jonah chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and he went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish and he bought a ticket and he went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and they threw cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted, get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. And when they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us? They demanded, who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? And what is your nationality? And Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. And the sailors were terrified when they heard this for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do uh, to you to stop this storm? And Jonah said, throw me into the sea and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to land, but the stormy sea was too violent for them and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God, O Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin and don't hold us responsible for his death. O Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Verse 15, then the sailors picked Jonah up and they threw him into the raging sea and the storm stopped at once. Sailors were all struck by the Lord's great power and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Notice how even in Jonah's disobedience and Jonah's lack of faithfulness, that God's power is on display so much so that even these sailors who worship multiple gods recognize the sovereignty and the power of the one true God. How, how incredible, even when we are not walking where God wants us to walk and not serving him as God wants us to, even through those circumstances, God is still able to reveal his power uh, through our lives. So how incredible uh, that is. Didn't work out so well for Jonah initially, but, uh, but certainly good for those sailors. And then verse 17, now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Holy Spirit, I just ask and pray that in these next few moments together, that you would just speak to our hearts, challenge our minds, transform how we live, how we think, 
how we interact with others. And God, I just pray that in these next few moments together that you would speak to us in a very fresh way this morning, that you would help us to recognize our responsibility as believers, our call as followers of Jesus Christ to make certain that this good news, the gospel, the hope of Jesus Christ is not just something we keep for ourselves, but it's something we make certain others hear and know. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to not ignore our part, our role, our responsibility as followers of Christ. Holy Spirit, help me to speak your word with boldness, clarity, and simplicity. God, help me to decrease and you to increase and be the focus of our time together today, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, On that tragic morning of September 11, 2001, the Brooklyn Tabernacle lost four of its members. One victim was a police officer. The officer's funeral was actually held at the church building. And Rudy Giuliani, then mayor of New York City, had been asked to share a few thoughts. In his book, You Were Made for More, Jim Cimbala, pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle, records what the mayor shared with the audience that morning. You know people, I've learned something through all this. Let me see if I can express it to you. When everybody was fleeing that building, and the cops and the firefighters and the EMS people were heading up into it, do you think any of them said, I wonder how many blacks are up there for us to save? I wonder what percentage are whites up here? How many Jews are there? Let's see, are these people making $400,000 a year or $24,000 a year and so on? No, when you're saving lives, he said, they're all precious. And that's how we are supposed to live all the time. How would you want the cops to treat you if you were on the 75th floor that day? Would you want them to say, excuse me, but I've got to get the bosses out first? Not exactly. I confess, he said, I haven't always lived this way, but I'm convinced that if God wants us to do it, he wants us to value every human life the way he does. The words of the mayor moved everyone who gathered that day for the funeral. Pastor Jim Cimbala concludes with these words. He says, I sat there thinking, my goodness, the mayor is preaching a truth that has eluded so many of our churches throughout New York and the country. He may have stood for other policies that I could not agree with, but on that day, he was right on the mark. The truth of what he said penetrated my heart. And then he writes these words. He says, the world you and I live in is falling apart before our eyes. We are God's only representatives on the planet and simply cannot take time to pick and choose who needs help. They all need help. They all need the love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. They all need to be rescued from the horror of an eternity apart from God. That statement, that truth, that reality reveals to us the heart's of God. This is the heart of God. For everyone to hear and receive Jesus Christ. Paul writes these words to Timothy. He says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. He says, this is good, and it pleases God, our Savior. And then in verse four, listen to what he says. 
who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. That is the heart of God. He longs for every man, every woman, every nationality, every person, regardless of their background, regardless of their present condition, he longs for every person to be saved and to understand the truth of his word. The heart of God is for everyone to be rescued from spending eternity apart from Christ. Jesus certainly longs for every person he has created to spend eternity in his presence. So his heart is for everyone to be rescued, to be saved from spending eternity apart from him. 2 Corinthians 5.21, he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It is his desire that we spend eternity in his presence. Peter writes these words. He says, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. And then look at this line. He says, he does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. It is the heart of God for everyone to receive Christ, to be saved, to be rescued so that we can spend eternity in his presence where we can gather around the throne and worship with people from every tribe, nation, and tongue. We, the church, we are God's ambassadors. We are called as ambassadors to do what? To represent the King, Jesus Christ, to represent his kingdom, and also to urge others to be reconciled back to him. That's what an ambassador does. An ambassador represents the king or the nation from which he came. And so we as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, we are called to represent our king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and to represent his eternal kingdom. And as ambassadors, as representatives of that king, we are urged to call others to be reconciled, to be restored back into right relationship with God. As ambassadors, our responsibility is not to make sure that we just barely make it into eternity, into God's presence. Our responsibility is not just to take care of ourselves and forget about everybody else here on earth. As ambassadors of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, our responsibility is to make certain that others hear and know about Christ and urge them, call them to be reconciled back to him. Because our desire should be to reflect the heart of God. His heart is for everyone to be restored, everyone to be saved, everyone to spend eternity in his presence. Listen to what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5. He says, for God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we, Paul says, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal how through us, we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So we have a responsibility to urge others, to call others to right relationship with him so that we can reflect the very hearts of God. Now in this series, over the next few weeks, we are gonna see God's heart radically on display through this book of Jonah. And it will be made clear to us that all of us in this room, we play a vital role in God's desire for all people to hear about him. 
We're gonna see his heart radically on display and see that we play a vital role in making certain that others hear. Now, some things, we need to consider a few things about Jonah, the person, but also Jonah, the book that we're going to unpack, as well as his very specific mission field, Nineveh. And I wanna share just a few things with you. I don't wanna bore you, but I want you to get a glimpse of who Jonah is, who, who God is calling Jonah to speak to, because that becomes very important in terms of understanding God's heart, as well as our responsibility to be faithful ambassadors of the king. First of all, Jonah was the son of Amittai, and he prophesied likely during the reign of Jeroboam, King Jeroboam II. You can read about it in 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 25. It says, Jeroboam II, he recovered the territories of Israel between Lebo, Hamath, and the Dead Sea, just as the Lord, the God of Israel, had promised. Look through Jonah, son of Amittai, the prophet from gath Hefer. And so Jonah was, was the son of Amittai. He prophesied likely during the reign of King Jeroboam II. King Jeroboam II was one of the kings of Israel. And it was just a few years before Nineveh would eventually be destroyed. Jonah was a prophet from Israel, the northern kingdom. And he was divinely sent to Nineveh, the capital city of Assyria, and the very nation that just a few years later in 722 BC would be completely destroyed, um, would completely destroy Samaria. So the very group of people that God wants Jonah to go speak to, Nineveh in Assyria, is the very nation that in about a decade or, or sorry, a century will come back and eventually destroy Israel, destroy the northern kingdom. Yet this is where God called Jonah to go. We read in 2 Kings chapter 17, verses 5 and 6, it says, Then the king of Assyria invaded the entire land, and for three years he besieged the city of Samaria. Finally, in the ninth year of King Hoshea's reign, Samaria fell, and the people of Israel, they were exiled to Assyria. So the nation that God is calling Jonah to go preach to, to go speak to, Nineveh, Assyria, is the same nation that just a few years later is going to come in and destroy Israel, and they're going to deport or exile all of the people into various places across Assyria. Let me tell you a little bit about Nineveh. Nineveh was referred to as the great city, but here in Jonah, it is on display because of the wickedness of its people. Let me just share a few things about Nineveh, just so you have a context uh, regarding where God is calling Jonah to go preach to. Nineveh was an incredibly pagan, godless city. They had some pretty atrocious military tactics that they would often use. And, and I wanna paint this picture for you because then I think we will understand that Jonah is human like you and me, and we will give a little bit more insight into why Jonah said, uh-uh, I'm going in the opposite direction, God, of where you want me to go. Because when you begin to see how atrocious and how God, godless and how pagan these people are, you will realize that this was not an easy task that God was calling Jonah to. Nineveh, they were godless, they were pagan. Um, one of the things they would often do, if they would, if, if they would have a military victory, 
over a nation, over a group of people, often what they would do is they would chop the head off of those that they defeated and they would put the head of their, of their captors, they would put their, their head on a pole in their front yard for everyone to see, to be on display uh, and so that they could say, you need to fear us because we are, we are a, a, a people that cannot be messed with. And so when you begin to see how godless, how pagan, how incredibly atrocious these people are, you will begin to understand that when God says to Jonah, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to, to, to preach judgment on these people. Jonah's like, sign somebody else up for this job. I have no desire to go to a group of people that, that may kill me, a group of people that are our enemies. And I have no desire in my heart to go speak to these people. So Jonah does what most human beings would do, and he fled. He went in the opposite direction. He's like, that's not a task for me. I have no desire to go into that, that place to the people of Nineveh where I may lose my life, people who have no desire to change or transform their hearts. So God, I'm gonna go in a different direction. It was to this great city and this wicked people that Jonah was called by God to go and preach. Jonah decided to do just the opposite. Now, there's four very simple truths, and they are very, very simple this morning, that emerge from this story regarding Jonah's divine call and his attempt to flee from that call. And I'm going to share these with you. These aren't going to be necessarily wow factors, but I think they will really challenge us to consider our role and our responsibility when it comes to the good news of Jesus Christ. Number one, everyone needs to hear the good news of Jesus. Amen? Everyone needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Look at Jonah chapter one. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and announce my judgment against it because I've seen how wicked its people are. The gospel is good news for everyone. It's not just good news for those who have their life together. It's not just good news for those who, who are interested. It's not just good news for those who we think deserve to hear the good news. The gospel is good news for everyone. Even the wicked, godless city and people of Nineveh, they were deserving of having someone come to preach to them to hear this good news. But why? Because Jesus came for all and he died for all. Jesus Christ didn't just die for the godly. He didn't just die for those who were perfect. Thank you, Jesus, because none of us are perfect. He died for sinners. He came for all. He died for all. Therefore, everyone deserves to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Luke 19, verse 10, for the Son of Man came to do what? To seek and save those who are lost. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 15, he died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. I think we all know this, but I want us to remember this this morning because this is key. If we wanna reflect, if we wanna have the heart of God, we need to understand this. Before we receive Christ, all of us, we are all lost sinners in desperate need of a loving savior to rescue us from sin and eternal separation from God. We are all on the same playing field. We are all before Christ. We are all lost sinners 
in desperate need of a loving Savior to rescue us from sin and from life of eternal separation from God. Paul makes this very clear in Romans chapter 3. He said, there is no one righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and do what have fallen short of the glory of God. And he even says in Romans 6, for the wages of sin then is death. But then listen to this, but the gift of God is eternal life. And so we are all on the same playing field. We are all lost sinners before Christ in desperate need of a savior to rescue us from sin and from life separated from God in eternity. Jesus is that savior. His death paid the penalty for our sins and granted you and me and all of humanity eternal life in his presence for those who say yes to Jesus. That is good news. And this is good news that everyone deserves to hear and know. There is no person or no people group that is undeserving of hearing that good news proclaimed. I want you to think for just a moment this morning, don't yell out names, don't raise your hand, but there's probably somebody in our life that we despise and we despise quite a bit. I didn't say hate, I just said despise, all right? There's somebody that we probably despise And I'm here to remind us this morning, even that person deserves to hear of Christ. The one that we struggle to forgive because they hurt us. They are deserving of hearing of Christ and the good news of Jesus. The nation that commits atrocious and godless acts, they too are deserving of hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. It's not up to us to determine who gets to hear, who should hear, and who should not hear. Everyone is deserving of hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. Some of you may be familiar with Elizabeth Elliot. Uh, She was the wife of Jim Elliot. Jim Elliot uh, was a missionary. Um, Him and a few others were missionaries to Ecuador. Some of you may be familiar with the movie uh, End of the Spear. It captures the story of these missionaries and their investment in this tribe in Ecuador, a completely godless pagan tribe that had no desire for God whatsoever. They knew they needed to hear the gospel. They knew that even this tribe who was pagan and godless needed to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. So Jim and a few others, As the story unfolds, they eventually try to make their way into this village, into this tribe. Jim and four others, I believe, are actually killed by this tribe in their attempts to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And Elizabeth Elliot, the wife of Jim, she eventually, with a few others, would return graciously to this Indian tribe who slaughtered her husband and four other missionaries because she knew that they too were even deserving of hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. Everyone deserves to hear. But here's the question that I ask for us. Do I truly believe the gospel is for everyone? Or somehow in my mind or in my efforts, have I limited its reach? 
Jonah here in Jonah chapter one, he is certainly limiting the reach of the gospel. When God says to Jonah, I want you to go preach to Nineveh, in Jonah's mind, these people do not deserve to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. They deserve judgment. They deserve wrath. I don't want to spend my life going to this godless pagan nation and possibly lose my own life. And so what does he do? He flees. So essentially, he is limiting the reach of the gospel in his mind and in his heart. Everyone needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Number two, the second truth that emerges from our story is we are all called, every one of us, we are all called to share Christ with others. The call to make disciples, also referred to as the Great Commission, is not reserved just for pastors or preachers or church leaders. It is expected of every Christ follower. When the Great Commission is given, go into all the world and preach the good news It is not just for those who stand behind a pulpit or those who who are on staff at a church. That is for everyone. Everyone who claims to be a follower of Jesus Christ has a responsibility to share Christ with others. This is why we need the Holy Spirit to empower us, to embolden us so that we can share effectively this good news of Jesus Christ. And I'm certain all of us in this room today, we have people in our sphere of influence, people that we work with, people that are in our homes, people that we know very well, that are within our sphere of influence who need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And so it is not just my job or or the job of some other pastor or somebody else who stands behind the pulpit. It is the responsibility of every Christ follower to share Christ with those within our influence. And and, and I think there are uh, certain people that you will have a better opportunity reaching because of the relationship that you have than I myself, who've never met that person, may have. So we need to use that influence that God has given us. An awareness that Christ is the only way to have eternal fellowship with God. Folks, that should motivate us. That should stir in us a desire to share Christ with everyone, even the people we despise, even our enemies, even those that have hurt us, because everyone deserves to hear the good news of Jesus Christ and to be transformed by him and him alone. One who claims to follow Christ cannot ignore the responsibility of sharing Christ with others. This is a non-negotiable. The psalmist makes it very clear in Psalm 71. He will write things like we need to tell each generation about the good things that the Lord has done. We have a responsibility to share with our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. We have a responsibility to make certain that our neighbor, that our coworker, that our friend hears about the good things that God has done in our life, in the life of others, so that they too can experience what you and I have also experienced. And so very simply, I ask this question for myself included, am I being obedient to the Great Commission. The Great Commission is not something that is passed off to a, to a pastor, preacher, and church leader only to fulfill. It is a commission that is given to every person who claims to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And, and, and it's, it's a command, it's a mandate. It's not a, if you want to, if you feel like it, if you, you know, maybe have time to do it. No, it is a mandate given to every Christ follower. Everyone has a responsibility to share Christ. The third truth is this, and I want to camp here for just a moment. I'm not going to be much longer. There are some who are specifically called and set apart for a very special missionary work. Now, I want to make this point, and I want you to see the distinction this morning. 
this call to missionary work is not a call for everyone. It is a specific call that is given to some. And this call certainly includes the Great Commission. But it extends beyond just the simple call to share Christ in our own backyard or within our sphere of influence. We get this sense here, even in the story of Jonah. Jonah was called, at least for a short time, to leave Israel and to go to Nineveh, to go to Assyria, to a foreign territory, into an area that had no desire to hear about what God was doing. We see this in other places in Scripture. Paul himself, along with others, they were appointed. They were set apart for a very specific missionary work to spread the gospel to the Gentiles. We see this in Acts chapter 13. The church comes together. They gather around Paul and Barnabas. They lay hands on them and they pray over them and they are sent out. They are commissioned to go into the uttermost parts of the earth and to take the gospel to the Gentile world. We read this in Acts 13. One day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, dedicate or set apart Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid hands on them and they sent them on their way. So Barnabas and Paul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. The missionaries that we support, when we give to kingdom builders, those that are on the field or those that are itinerating, uh, we support that uh, they have a unique and distinct calling on their life. Again, it's, it's not that they are the only ones called to share Christ. Um, certainly, the Great Commission applies to them just as, it, just as it does to us, but there is a special set-apart call on their life to go. Oftentimes, it involves a life of sacrifice, like selling their homes, selling their cars, moving to another country. It includes learning and living in a foreign culture and learning the language of that culture. Sometimes and oftentimes they may be called to go into a difficult and dangerous location to share the hope and love of Jesus Christ. Live Dead, an organization that, that spends most of its time going into unreached people groups in areas where there is no access to the gospel whatsoever. They oftentimes go in and they have to build relationships with people in a very dangerous territory where it is often illegal to even have a church or declare the name of Jesus Christ. And yet they will go into these places, they learn the language, they learn the culture, they build relationships because they've been called, they've been set apart to reach these nations for Christ. But even sometimes when it's dangerous, depending on where you're called, for Jonah, it was going to Nineveh and he feared for his life, but in the end, it's always worth it because it has eternal consequences when we are faithful to that mission. Now, there is a brief warning I want us to grasp this morning, and that is let's be careful not to water down the specific call to missions by labeling every Christ, every Christ follower a missionary. Yes, we all have a responsibility to be faithful to the Great Commission, to share Christ with those in our backyard, with those that we have influence over. But there are some who are set apart, who are called to a specific missionary task and work that often involves sacrifice it often involves leaving everything they've known and going to a completely foreign territory to learn that culture, to learn the language, and to share Christ with those present. So here's what I want us to understand. Every Christ follower is called to share Christ wherever they are. Can I get an amen on that? Every Christ follower, every one of us is called to share Christ wherever we are. But there are some Christ followers 
who are called to a specific task and responsibility of leaving their present life and going to engage a brand new culture to introduce them to Jesus. This is the life and the work of what we refer to as a missionary. God has called them. God has set them apart. He has dedicated them for a very special work to go and proclaim Jesus in a, in a territory, in a nation, in a village, in a community, to a group of people who have no access or limited access to the gospel of Jesus. But here's what I want us to grasp. You and I, we all need to know our parts. What is our role? What is our responsibility? What part is God calling me to play in his work? Final truth then is this. Running from the call of God is not an option. It is. It's not a favorable option. Jonah attempted to run from God's divine call. Jonah 1.3, Jonah got up and he went in the opposite direction. I love how it says, to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa. He found a ship that was leaving for Tarshish and he bought a ticket, got on board and he hoped to escape from the Lord. This attempt, as we know from Scripture, only created chaos in Jonah's life, in the life and the life of those around him. We read in the text in Jonah, so he gets on, he boards the ship, he goes down below, he falls asleep, and it says that the Lord prepared a great wind that began to rock the boat, brought forth an incredible storm, so much so that they were fearful that this wind and this storm would completely destroy the ship they were on and they were fearing for their lives. Now Jonah is down below sleeping presently through the storm, but the, 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 the sailors on that boat, they start um, becoming fearful and, 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 and life is chaos on this boat. And so they start throwing the cargo over, hoping that we need to make this boat as light as possible, get rid of things. We need to protect ourselves. Finally, they, after praying to their gods and doing everything they could in their, in their own human effort, they go down they wake up Jonah and they ask, who are you? Who is your God? Pray to your God. Maybe, maybe he will listen to you and bring calm over this storm. And eventually they find out Jonah is really the root cause of the storm. And so they eventually throw Jonah overboard at Jonah's request and the storm is calmed and God prepared a great fish for him to be swallowed up in. This attempt created chaos in Jonah's life and the life of those around him created a sense of panic and desperation among the sailors. Human effort could not avoid the judgment of God, and it led Jonah to being thrown into the sea and swallowed up by a great fish. It's a few lessons that emerge from this story that we need to grasp. Number one, running from God's call will only create chaos for you and those around you, and likely an ongoing sense of discontentment. Maybe some of you in this room have been there before, maybe not to this extreme, maybe not to the extent of running totally opposite away from the Lord and getting swallowed up by a great fish. But if you've ever been outside of the will of God or if you've ever been in a spot where you've run from what you know deep down in your heart God is calling you to, you've probably sensed that chaos, that discontentment, that that, that ability to never be settled because you're not where you're supposed to be. And folks, we can try to run 
I said running is not an option. It is an option, but it's not a favorable option. The reality is if we keep running from God's call, it will only create in us and those around us more chaos, more discontentment, and this ongoing sense and feeling that that I'm never satisfied because I'm not where God wants me to be. God will often do whatever is necessary to get our attention and remind us of his call on our life. Now, I don't pray that for any of you. I I pray that God will get your attention, but I pray and hope it's not in the form of a great big fish that you have to spend three days in. I mean, imagine just for a second. I mean, use your imaginations. We all have imaginations in this room. Imagine being Jonah, spending three days in the belly of a fish. Uh, Imagine the gross, I mean, it's just, it's disgusting. Eventually, we'll look at it in a few weeks. He's gonna get vomited onto dry ground. And imagine how bad he smelled, he looked. I mean, for three days inside of this belly, this acidic probably smell that was over him. I know it's right before lunch. This is not a good time to talk about this. But, but I want you to see, God will do whatever is necessary to try to get our attention. And he did so. Jonah was running in the opposite direction. He said, no, I want you to go this way. So he brings a storm, he prepares a great fish. Finally, he gets Jonah's attention. Jonah will respond and eventually do what God called him to do. And here's the third reality. We cannot escape the call of God untouched. We can try to run, try to get away from doing what God's called us to do, but it will have an impact on our life. He will get our attention He will attempt to get our attention. We still have to respond to what he's doing in our heart and in our life. But we cannot escape the call of God untouched. Jonah tried. He went in the opposite direction. It affected those on the boat. It affected him and his life. He ended up inside the belly of a fish. His life had been impacted because he was trying to run and escape the plan of God. I want you to stand with me this morning. I know most of this is not anything brand new to any of us this morning. Maybe just a good reminder for us. This whole series is simply called All Need to Hear. Today's focus is just simply on the fact that we cannot miss out, we cannot reject and ignore our parts in making certain that others hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's the reality. There are still several people, there are still several cities and villages that need to hear the good news of Jesus. Share with you before, I think about 42% of our population, 3.1 billion people who are unreached. And that means they have zero access to the gospel. There is not a a single Christian witness within their their sphere of influence. They've never heard the name of Jesus Christ. 3.1 billion people, 42% of our world's population has no access to the gospel. As a side note, imagine... I mean, there's 3.1 billion people that have no access. And then think about the access that we have today. But we take that for granted. I mean, we, we probably have several Bibles in our home. You go to a hotel, there's Bibles, a hotel. We all have phones. We have apps that have access to the Bible. We have access to the good news of Jesus Christ, but we take that for granted. There are 3.1 billion people that have no access, no Christian witness. They've never heard the name of Jesus. That's the reality. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, 
the workers, the laborers are few. So here's what I want to just encourage us to do this morning is to discern what is our part. Don't ignore it. Everyone must make sharing Jesus a priority. That is the responsibility of every believer. Before we leave this place this morning, if there's anything that I want you to grasp, if there's anything that I want you to grasp and understand it is this, that everyone, every one of us, not just the person up here on stage, not just those who maybe have a special divine call on their life to, to preach or teach or be in church leadership, no, every single one of us, we all have a responsibility to share Christ those in our sphere of influence, with those in our backyard. That is the responsibility of every believer. So if anything, when you leave this place today, I want you to walk away with the conviction that I have a part to play. My part is vital because I want to spend eternity in God's presence knowing that I did everything I could do to make certain that this friend of mine, this neighbor of mine, this coworker of mine, this family member of mine knows and experiences the presence of Jesus Christ, the only person who can change our hearts.